no, you so, did you did not hold that. Yeah. So let's see. Where where should we even start? All right. Here's you watched uh Paddleton. That's Paddleton. one of that's yeah. one of oh, my man, favorite that's... movies of the entire year. Like I feel like that was like a month ago I watched that. Yeah. It, no, it is, but I'm going way mm-hmm. back. I'm yeah. going way back because like I, I we haven't talked in a little while and you've watched a yeah, lot of stuff. It's been a while stuff. since our last one. Yeah, you've watched a and since Throne of Blood, I look on your diary as I <laughs> as I page through your diary, I know see a uh, yes. lot of great movies. <laughs> yeah, it's like May. Yeah, Paddleton was a great one. You've been active in May. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Paddleton was one like my second favorite movie of this year, and this year's been pretty good, I'd say too. So, yeah, and that's what I I feel like I've been bad at so far is watching movies that have come out this year already. Like we're already almost halfway through. 2019 and i've barely seen enough and yeah. there's a ton on netflix like netflix originals like paddleton so yeah i definitely uh, i'm really glad i saw that one because it's um out of the few movies i've seen this year it's easily um, one of my favorites yeah and just yeah, such I, such good acting and it's just such a real like heart-filled story and yeah yeah ray romano's from this and uh oh what was the one he did a couple of years ago the big sick Big sick, yeah, yeah that one too. Like, like he's impressed indie, me a lot. Yeah, some good indie roles to really, you know, stretch his wings and yeah, off the sitcom path. Yeah, yeah, I actually, yeah, I really like Ray Romano as uh, as an actor now. Yeah, Palatino was a really great one. Super sad. Yeah, but uh, yeah, oh yeah, it's definitely one that I want to rewatch too. Um, and then there's three in a yeah. row here that you watched. That I'm gonna rattle down. Um, <laughs> Doctor Strange Love. That's yes. one. Of, that's always been one of my favorites. Yes, Doctor Strange Love. Another one that one I've been I wanting to watch for a while. You would like a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Like right up your alley, you know, uh, with the comedy and the parody and definitely, the, um, and just the history aspect. I just that's one I would be like, oh, that would be something John. I would recommend to John. But I didn't think of it, so I got excited when you sure. watched, when you watched it on your own. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't need your help this time. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, that was one I really liked too because I didn't realize. You know, I knew I'd heard about it being a comedy too, but I didn't know, you know, to what extent. I didn't even know Peter Sellers was in it until I started watching. Too. Right. But, uh, and yeah, that's one I actually, another, another thing about last week was every Friday I do work from home. And if I just sort of have mindless tasks that I need to finish up before the weekend, I'll like put a movie on while I'm working. Right. And that was one of those. So yeah, it's, yeah, Dr. Strangelove was great. And also one that I've just been wanting to see for a really long time and finally got to it. I just got tired of like seeing all these movies in my watch list. And I was like. Why haven't I just watched this yet? Why haven't yeah, I seen this already? How, how have you been? Uh, so, yeah. What have you been using to watch all these? Because these are—it's a <laughs> wide variety, you know. Yeah, it's all streaming. I've found it in whatever way. I use this app called Just Watch, and I just looked up all these movies, nice. and then made a list of where they were streaming. And this one was on was on TCM, Doctor Strange Love. So oh, I gotcha. Got that. So, gotcha. Yeah. I feel like I'm a journalist right now, and I'm asking you about yeah. like some movie accomplishments, movie watching accomplishments yeah, you just a, did, you pulled off, you know. It was a big deal that I finished Doctor Strange Love. You know, I think it really uh, was a big moment in my career, in my podcasting <laughs> yeah. career. Yeah, yeah, just pull play it like Kawhi Leonard. 
<laughs> and so on the same day as Dr. Strangelove, you watched Carrie, mm-hmm. which is a, another also one. I was another one of my favorite movies ever. Yeah. And that one I can talk a little bit more too, because doing this series that we're doing, I've been wanting to just like dive into directors more and just see as much of a director's filmography as I can. And I've, I've really liked um, Brian De Palma movies, um, the ones that I've seen. So I really wanted to see as, I really want to right now see as many of them as I can. Um, so I just looked at what else is streaming. I was like, oh, Carrie, that's one I haven't seen. Yeah. That's one I've been wanting to watch for a while too. And I've only heard amazing things about it. So I watched it and it was great. Yeah. Yeah, I love Travolta in that movie. He's Yeah, Travolta. Travolta mm-hmm. kills it in high school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I forgot that he was... I didn't even know before I watched it that he was in that too. Um, but yeah, I've, I'm... I found out that I really do like Brian De Palma a lot. Yeah, he's, so he's definitely to... one of my favorite directors. Actually has a mm-hmm. movie coming out in a couple weeks, I believe. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I was going to say, I feel like he hasn't done a lot recently. but Yeah, he no, I mean, he still makes movies, but it's pretty under the radar, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. What is, what's coming out soon? Like, what is he doing soon that's coming out? Um, I believe Jamie Lannister is in it. Whoa! Yeah, and it's uh another thriller. <laughs> that's what he so <laughs> he does most of. Shocking, he's be- yeah. He best he's best at his thrillers. Yeah, definitely. So um, then moving yeah, on Gary. to the eighteenth, you watched another one of my favorite movies ever, uh, The Master. Yes, The Master, and this is which I think also we talk- one we've been talking about like watching like The Master. I think for a little bit because of Johnny Greenwood and. Uh, yes paul thomas anderson and stuff like that yeah we're both big radiohead fans so yeah really just so if i see that johnny greedwood is you know has done a score for a movie that immediately piques my interest and paul thomas anderson is another one that i haven't i haven't felt like i've really um just delved into that much and i feel like i really need to because obviously I've seen Boogie Nights. I love Boogie Nights. Um, Very different uh, animal here, the, here, though, right? Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's then, almost insane how different it is. And actually, the only two um, movie Paul Thomas Anderson movies I've seen have been Boogie Nights and The Master, and of course all his uh, all the Radiohead music videos that he's directed. Right. But. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I'm trying to go through all of his big stuff. Um, yeah, Inherent Vice and There Will Be Blood are sort of like the next ones I want to, I want to catch with him too. So yeah, keep going with the Johnny Greenwood score. Yeah. Johnny Greenwood. He did all three of those. Yeah. Yeah. His, uh, score in the masters is like one of my favorite scores ever. I was like ranking, I was ranking them today because I was thinking about like my favorite scores. So and the master mm-hmm. was on my like top five list. Yeah, and that's uh, yeah, that that's something that added so much to that movie. I feel yeah. like, and I mean, any movie when there's a good score like that, but um, yeah, yeah, the master really liked. I can, I definitely see why it's, I don't know, regarded the way that it is. Um, yeah, and I just, I'm just mad at myself for not watching more PTA. <laughs> Um, they're, they're, the yeah. acting in this in the movie is just so insane that it like elevates it so much in his filmography. 
Mm-hmm. Like it's it's like he has great acting in every one of his films, but like it'll never be like this. Like you just know because it's the two like greatest actors of a generation just God, in their yeah. most at their most focused, right? Like they put went all out for this. That just sucks that Philip Seymour Hoffman passed away because he was. Yeah, I mean he did so much too from you know amazing acting like in the master and then he did comedies too mm-hmm. yeah just was always great yeah and him and joaquin phoenix were great in it too and amy adams and um rami malik didn't realize he was in yeah, that yeah he had a uh, very small role i believe yeah and uh jesse plemons too who he's i feel like he's doing a ton nowadays yeah it's um, such an ambitious yeah. film there's like nothing like it it's crazy yeah <laughs> Yeah, Paul Thomas it, it, Anderson. It just is, leaves is you. Really it leaves unique. you speechless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I will say this. I you're you're probably a little different, but I, um, with the master, I just don't know if I, you know, can rewatch it that much. Mm. You know, it's one of those that it's so like profound and um, it is a it's a hard first watch for sure it's like a lot to take yeah. in yeah it was it was so much that it's almost like intimidating to try and watch yeah again. no i get what you mean i felt the although same. i do want to i felt mm-hmm. the exact same way and it is yeah it's it feels like it's such a smart movie that you don't want to like go through right, that again yeah. like it's not you know it's gonna hurt your brain or whatever but i will say that it comes to you way easier in future watches and you cannot say that about all like movies of this caliber i'd say mm-hmm. like I, I i don't know i've seen like four times at this point wow yeah and it's gotten like i've like understood it like more and more each time mm-hmm. so i'd say i'd say it's a very fulfilling rewatch it yeah it definitely be, needs yeah to. by the third time it's probably pretty easy i wouldn't i wouldn't guarantee in the second <laughs> time but it's not a movie that you just sit down eat popcorn and yeah, get distracted hang out with, with the, and, hang out with the friends and talk. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, it's like a, yeah, it's like a religious experience. The <laughs> yeah. master. Yeah, really it is. <laughs> yeah. It's fitting. Yeah. Should we talk yeah. about John wick three? Yeah. Uh, cause so, we both yeah, saw that. It seems too. I loved it. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was great. I mean, I love, I love all three of the John wick movies just cause they're so fun and, it's it's why you go to the movies, you know. <laughs> this is why you go to the movies. <laughs> now this is pod racing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's all I was thinking when I was watching it. Oh no, yeah, it's, it's just understandable. A, I definitely I saw some reviews by people who would say, I don't know, would have some like issues with it, and like, how does this happen? And oh, this is like. And how would this ever happen? How is this possible? Um, and everything like works out just too perfectly. And I just, for me, I just can just throw all those out the window because just, just the pure entertainment value and yeah. just the amount of fun that it is. And to the watch. way you and just keep the the, this type of franchise is going is just by probably just continuing to push the boundaries. So yeah, it's uh, what I expect them to do is like to have just the craziest action scenes ever. Yeah, exactly. And just that, oh, that scene with the knives. Yeah, the knife just scene. Throwing, oh, my God. Just blows yeah. you away right at the beginning. And uh-huh. you almost forget about it because there's so much other stuff after that. Yeah. I think it's so cool that, um, I forget his name, but the director, 
you know, he was Keanu Reeves stunt devil in the matrix and everything. And right. So he's like a, obviously like a big name professional in the stunt, um, world, I guess in Hollywood. And just like that translates to these movies that he's directed so well too. I just, yeah, for me, it's, um, it's right up close with like the mission impossible movies as far as an action, um, action what do you want to call them series or franchise um franchise yeah there we go uh yeah it's i I feel like it's i mean they're obviously gonna keep gonna keep pumping them out and if they're all good quality like this like that's yeah a feat on its own really hasn't even been an action for action franchise like that is as i mean you can make the argument that it's perfect you know there's not one film that like stands out as like the bad one of the franchise. Like, I feel like every action one has one for sure, you yeah. know, definitely. Yeah. And this one, they're all like of the same quality. And, and it's cause they've got a perfect formula to keep it like simple and just yeah. do, it's all about just doing their thing in the stunt with the stunts and letting Keanu do his thing. Right. Exactly. And I feel like there hasn't been like a, there hasn't been a ton of unique, action franchises as of late i feel like john wick is kind of um you know taking over that um i guess carrying the the torch from here because i just i don't know when i think about you know mission impossible it's been around for so long um and then you know there's lethal weapon uh i don't know a lot of other action franchises. i mean lethal weapon is pretty old at this yeah right? like, but that's that's exactly what i'm saying you know like die hard too like die hard is mainly in the 80s that's when they were really good and then they've had some like some duds recently yeah so i feel like there hasn't been some new fresh action franchise a lot of them are rehashes this. are rehashes for sure and yeah remakes mm. and yeah and i just yeah and there's even lines where <laughs> I don't know, Keanu Reeves says something and it's just like, oh, that's kind of like dumb or cheesy, but I you love it. You still love it. Yeah, time. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because he, yeah, he's just so likable and yeah, just so much fun. Yeah, it's... I it's, was watching his training videos before the movie to get me pumped up for it and they are just insane. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've seen some of those too where he's at like a gun range. Yeah. 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 I don't, I, yeah, I guess I don't know what else to really say about it other than how much I loved it. Yeah. Well. <laughs> and it's my favorite movie of the year so far. Uh, yeah. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> and that one is. Let's see how long it stands. Very easy to rewatch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe it'll stand at number one when we, in December when we go Stay over. tuned. Yeah, stay you tuned. We'll see. It could be John Wick 3 is John's favorite film of 2019. <laughs> you, if unless they somehow get John Wick four to come out yeah, this year too, I don't then see it, it, might how it could go <laughs> otherwise. Yeah, maybe yeah, exactly. you could campaign for it to win the Os- an Oscar. Honestly, Best like picture, it, yeah. there's got to be some category where this should like deserve to win, right? Like mm-hmm. something. It's yeah. pretty phenomenal stuff to to yeah. ignore just i uh, yeah I, I just couldn't get over some of the yeah just sequences that happened in that and people were like <laughs> gasping and like laughing at different yeah. parts of it that were just like ridiculous but amazing i yeah. was in awe during so much of that yeah. like it's really hard to 
find other moments where I was just in pure awe in the cinema this yeah. year, you know? Like, that takes a lot to be in awe nowadays with how sure. much I fucking watch shit, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that really says something when, like, my all of a sudden, my I just, like, my attention is gasped awake by just some guy just sh- throwing knives yeah, at that, a bunch that of other guys. Just... Yeah. Or Halle, that, Halle Berry and her dogs just being choreographed everywhere. Yeah. I mean, that too, those dogs should win something for how <laughs> yeah. well-trained have, they were. Have there ever <laughs> been yeah, that well-trained of dogs? Yeah, that was amazing. And how they the dogs like flowed with the editing so well. You're just like, oh, how did they? Perfect. How did they do this? It was like a yeah. It was like watching a really good video game movie, which there aren't a ton of. It it, just, it felt like a like a video game. How crazy everything was too. <laughs> uh, good one. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we could. Oh, yeah. All right, let's try to rattle off a couple more here before we start the episode. Yeah, you watched also Apocalypse Now. I did finally. That's another one. That another I one of my favorite movies <laughs> ever. It is. It is now one of my favorite movies. I too. have been so into it at sometimes where I literally thought I'm like, this is the greatest fucking movie ever. Like oh I God, thought, yeah. I've thought that before. Like when I first like saw it, I just was like, we were talking about being in awe while watching a movie like that mm-hmm. that was me during like the last 30 minutes of this movie for like the first four times i watched it yeah and that that was one of those where right after i finished watching it i went through and looked up everything i could about it you know everything about like behind the scenes filming um you know how the like what the actors went through mm-hmm. during shooting there's, and everything. And it just a, sounded insane. There's a lot to look up about. You should watch the docu- documentary, the heart oh, of the heart of darkness on the making of the movie. It is like, it is crazy. God, it I definitely just, will. And there's a lot to read up on, like on just what Francis Coppola went through to get this movie made and like just mm-hmm. everything that went down on set and, because they had to like fly out into the middle of nowhere and stuff. And then, you know, like getting the actors on set, like getting Brando on set, like yeah. Marlon Brando was making something like ridiculous, like 8 million a day or something like that, just to be God, on yeah. set. And they were like, re- seems, they're like rewriting so the ending. To work and, with, oh too. yeah. He was at that point, especially a huge diva, uh-huh. but they were like the final scene with him. They like, they like rewrote. They were like writing it, just improvising it. Like they didn't have an really? ending. Yeah, they just like found that basically. And but they wow. were, but they were like, you know, they were already over budget and overdue, and they're paying Brando eight million a day, and they were My just God. like, it, yeah, it's ridiculous. That's one of those things. I I feel like there are certain um, films like that that are just these epic, amazing movies that it seems like so much went wrong during the filming and there's so much just like turmoil and yeah. uh, just money being lost. And then they turn out to be, you know, some of the greatest movies ever. Yeah. He also, uh, no, everyone was so unsure on how it would turn out too. And mm-hmm. I, and I believe it wasn't critically well received when it came out. Oh, wow. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's, what happened um (laughs) but yeah and then over time it became more and more like beloved and got more and more uh praise because Mm -hmm. it it is a pretty radical movie for the time 
Yeah. And just to think, like, I feel like people also don't think about what all goes into making a movie like that. That it took, I mean, it took years and these actors are in horrible conditions. Uh, yeah. Didn't Michael, or not Michael Sheen, um, Martin Sheen have a heart attack? Yeah. During filming too or something like that? Yeah. Like, and you, that scene where me? he's, crazy. that scene where he's getting drunk and like cracking his head with the bottle. He was yeah. actually like, you know doing that like getting, I read that too, getting yeah. drunk and having a breakdown that's yeah it's just insane and they're in the they're just in the philippines in these yeah just in the heat yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that, that's what i feel like people don't realize just watching a movie that that the actors are seriously in these conditions too um it's not like they're not on some sound stage or whatever in la um, some some yeah. some <laughs> but not yeah yeah, yeah yes. definitely not this one like this one you no, feel yeah. that mm-hmm. that jungle in this one mm-hmm. yeah that's uh, yeah it's one i definitely will will watch again and check out the documentary because yeah. yeah 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 great i can't say enough about great, that one great mm-hmm. anti-war movie mm-hmm. totally uh, on this memorial day <laughs> yes <laughs> fitting um, yeah, I mean, is there anything else that you wanted to to mention from my, yeah, my diary right. that you, I've seen? You watched so many, so I figured I'd mention them. I have to mention the ones yeah. I mentioned, right? Um, oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, well, Dog Day Afternoon, you watched that. That's a great movie. Yep, another Who one. doesn't love Dog Day Afternoon? Really loved. Yeah. One of the best Pacino yeah. performances, probably. Absolutely. Another one. Yeah, it's, a lot of these are ones that I've been, that have been on my list for so long and i just needed like an extra push to just sit down and watch them um rather than trying to be like oh, you know i didn't really feel like it now just kind of um not distract myself with my phone or uh tv or anything else and just yeah watch these movies yeah that's what they deserved but at the same time i also speaking of things i've seen recently i also felt like oh my god i've just been watching all these movies i haven't seen yet I kind of just want to watch something that is just more mindless and fun. So I rewatched Rush Hour. <laughs> I which saw Rush Hour one and two were some of my favorite movies growing up. So yeah, I just needed to watch something that I had already seen and that I already just really like. It's like a guilty pleasure that I didn't have to like pay attention too much to. So yeah, yeah, it's a you got to do that to relieve yourself, you know, and watching exactly. all these I'd new work so hard. Watching all these new movies is hard work. <laughs> yes, I mean that's why we're giving you all the praise right now. Please, yes, I need it. I I deserve it. This was yeah, this was <laughs> this was definitely <laughs> like your coming out party for all these movies, so you can be proud. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, have you seen anything recently then besides uh, the two movies we're going to talk about? uh today uh anything notable notable huh uh (laughs) (laughs) or that you just want to talk about (laughs) i haven't been no i haven't been like doing as well as you lately i must say um i watched fighting with my family that was pretty good um that wwe movie with nick frost and the rock and vince vaughn wasn't directed by steven merchant yeah yeah, the office creator it was not yeah was not bad nice and um cersei lannister's in it wow yeah yeah her her and nick frost are like the the wrestling parents and um (laughs) 
I just really, yeah, I really, I thought it was really well done uh, for like, nice. you know, it's a nice studio comedy and what, even if you're, you know, if you're not into WWE like myself, it's still very like funny and just engaging. You can relate to all of it. So yeah, mm-hmm. I recommend, cool. I highly recommend it. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Nothing well, else that noteworthy from this month, except for, you know, John Wick three and stuff and yeah. Yeah, now there's some other movies and theaters that I'm hoping to see. Uh, like, uh, obviously, I want to see Aladdin. Um, big fan of the original with Robin Williams, so I got to see the new one. I've heard I've heard mixed things about it. I but really, it's yeah. Probably just a typical Disney cash grab. I but, do not know how to predict um, how that one will go. And then Booksmart too. I've I seen re- a lot of good things about that. I do want to see Booksmart very badly. I've heard so much directed by olivia wilde too yeah so, it's definitely my next yeah. big movie i think i believe jonah hill's sister is in it as well oh yeah yeah she looks exactly like yeah <laughs> the, she's a female version of jonah hill she is yeah, yeah she was in Lady Bird <laughs> and i believe neighbors too maybe oh yeah yeah and i've always liked her so beanie maybe yeah. she'll make a mid like 2000s movie mid-2000s. when she wants to be a director when <laughs> yeah after, there we go. Her, after she gets really big as an actor and goes and is in a scorsese movie yeah exactly yeah no <laughs> yeah not trying to throw shade at jonah or anything yeah because uh, i've also heard book smart as in a way like the female super bad uh, super bad yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a little weird but not in a bad way i'm sure but yeah yeah no i'm sure I, i'm sure all in the best ways but yeah, now we're definitely getting to the time where there's a ton of um, bigger movies coming out in theaters. Um, so yeah, I'm excited excited for that. There's actually just going to be things in the theaters to watch on like January and February. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's what we've been watching recently. <laughs> a lot to take in. I hope you I enjoyed know. my interrogation of my letterbox diary. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, and yeah, it was it was a very big moment for me. So, so thank you, Luke. Now, around, and, uh, everyone, please, a round of, wherever you are, a round of applause for John. Yes, and his movie exploits. When, when you see me around town, give me a he's, pat on the back. He's really doing good work, this guy. <laughs> yeah. I'm working hard just for all of you out there, listeners. So, uh, so yeah, just please give me some praise because I I'm desperate for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Then, without further ado, uh, I guess we'll take a quick break and get into uh, the two films for the Today. rest of our Kurosawa Hitchcock <laughs> yes. series. Yeah, uh, Seven Samurai and Notorious. All right, and we're back, back, back from the the long commercial break that you probably skipped through, but. You're in luck now because we're going to talk about uh, the great film Notorious, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, the biopic about Biggie Smalls. Yes. Um, that Hitchcock directed. <laughs> yep, it's what I thought going into it, and I still believe that. Yep, that's what it's totally. About. Yeah. I thought it was weird to have Cary Grant play Notorious B.I.G. <laughs> But uh, it's it's not yeah, really. He did a great job. I don't really think it's whitewashing. Some people will. It's it's not. <laughs> yeah. It'll be controversial. Like, have some respect to Cary Grant. A lot less rapping in it than I thought there would be, but uh, but yeah, <laughs> no, just kidding. There's two. There's two different films called Notorious. 
One is yeah. about Biggie Smalls, but Hitchcock did not direct that. It is... If you're into actual a, cinema, there's Notorious yeah. by Alfred Hitchcock, which we're <laughs> going to talk about right now. Yeah, all you phonies. <laughs> you're all you're talking all about a bunch of Biggie Smalls. We're talking here about Cary Grant and Ingrid Bergman in the Alfred Hitchcock movie, Notorious. So listen up and, and learn something today. <laughs> okay, okay, I, I got to calm down a little bit. Take it easy, that. John. Jesus. <laughs> oh, man, okay. All right, so anyway, this is the first viewing for you, Luke, of, yeah. uh, of Notorious. Second viewing for me. And uh, and I'll let you I'll let you talk about your first uh, I don't know your first thoughts um, on this viewing. Uh, me personally, after watching it again, it uh, it's it definitely stuck into my top five uh, Hitchcock, Hitchcock movies. movies. Huh? That's mm-hmm. I, that's understandable. It is mm-hmm. uh, my favorite of the three I've watched. I will say uh-huh. most definitely, and it's like up there with like you know we did noir recently like. Mm-hmm. talking about nightfall and the big heat and it's like it's like right up there with those to me especially with like the big heat and just some of my favorite noir films ever it's like one of those grandioso just one of those grandioso big scale noir movies with a really like complex interrelationship yeah mm-hmm. i thought i thought it was just great in that aspect and i i thought it was really hitchcock showed just so much versatility in this movie in being able to have like a spy noir movie with um, a romance underneath. And the mm-hmm. romance is actually, actually the most intriguing thing to me. That's for sure. Um, I mean, obviously that's what a lot of people are looking for going into the, into this movie with the big duo. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I love how Ingrid Bergman's just totally the star <laughs> of it and you don't you like it's it's really rare where the female is like the focal point and just really carrying the movie in her Mm -hmm. in like with her nuanced performance and like Cary Grant is definitely the side man in this one but yet he's like he's the perfect side man and like just mostly for a lot at first kind of manipulating her and then eventually like taking care of her you know and being her like hope in this movie which I thought was great. Yeah. I think they're both so likable too, that it's, uh, and their chemistry is so yeah. good that it's, yeah, that's definitely the, the most compelling part of it is the love story between those two and just the arc that they go on. Yeah. Their chemistry uh, off the, the back movie. is just so good, mm-hmm. like right off. And then they just, they dive deeper into a more complex relationship. And like, there's that scene where they're talking about, uh, what it'd be like to be married and, and mm-hmm. stuff. And, and it's kind of, you know, this, it's kind of always playing off their work relationship versus their actual relationship. And, you know, how they're both spies and you don't, <laughs> you don't know who they're mm-hmm. even working for. You can't even know if you could trust them sometimes. It's yeah, it's, it's crazy and just so subtle and nuanced. Yeah, that's what I feel like people always talk about. Um, well, obviously, they always talk about Hitchcock and suspense and influencing the horror genre and everything. But uh, I feel like it's often overlooked about his influence on like spy genre. Yeah, we, so yeah. Many as we talked about the 39 movies. Steps. Yeah, 
Yeah. And the 39th, and I feel like he does a great job intertwining, like you said, that love story in there. Yeah. And also his, his, um, I guess the Hitchcockian suspense uh, and everything too, just the classic Hitchcock. Uh, yeah. They're always kind of not drama. wanting to be found out in this one. And there's always, mm-hmm. there's a lot of scheming and like um, strategy in, in the spy world. Unlike where the 39 steps is more of like a fun adventure, I'd say. Mm-hmm. These people are like, you know, in a typical noir format, just like trying to control the, the really like dangerous situation they've gotten themselves in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I'd say it's just, it's very, it's just different than the other, especially more like way different from the other two Hitchcocks I've seen because of that. Cause mm-hmm. it really stands out as a just noir spy movie like that. And the relationship aspect reminds me of Casablanca in that how it's yes. like the standout of all the the plot the plotting behind it. Like what's really important is their relationship, especially. Yeah, and it's very it's complicated, um, a complicated love story, I guess, in both of those two, and uh, and of course Ingrid Bergman is in both of them. Um, but yeah, I and I also like what you mentioned about how she's definitely the focal point of it too. Uh, cause I do think, uh, so Hitchcock was definitely a weird guy and had some, there's some weird stories about him and his female stars. Um, but something he did do a lot, I feel like is, um, you know, have a strong female character and have them be, um, yeah, have them be the, the focal point of the film while there's, uh, a stronger, you know, male character on the side of them. I'd say um, this is his strongest easily, I would say. Yes. Mm-hmm. So far, like, she, yeah. Like, Much she like, does uh, need Cary Grant in the end, but she is also, like, she's weaving her way through this uh, this world, like, on her own for a lot of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a, like in, um, in Vertigo, Rear Window, uh, birds where there's a really strong female character sort of um yeah I don't know, pushing things along and keeping the uh the male character in check in a way too you know i feel like grace kelly um does that in rear window with uh with jimmy stewart and then and then likewise with kim novak in vertigo and i feel like this is sort of uh an earlier version of that sort of hitchcock theme um, that you see in his later movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cary Grant is just such a like effortlessly like like effortlessly the king of like movie stars, isn't he? Like oh yeah. Like man, he's just he's in every like movie he's in, he's in, it, he plays so many different types of guys, and I definitely see him play this guy before, where he's kind of like the cool slick guy and he has a lot of mm-hmm. he has a lot of subtle emotional things and there's a lot of complexities to his character especially the way he feels about ingrid bergman of course but yeah like you know i've seen him be this this kind of cool cool like man guy like in this and only angels have wings and i've mm-hmm. seen him in like then in like slapstick comedies by like Howard Hawks, you know, his girl Friday and Bring Up Baby, Friday, yeah. where he's just like, he's just so hilarious and goofy and able to mm-hmm. rattle off like, you know, 80 words and <laughs> 80 words in a, in like a minute or something like that. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. 
Well, just think about how many like huge stars that we know right now that in like 40 or 50 years, nobody's going to remember really or talk about or like, you know, kids in 40 or 50 years aren't going to have any idea who they were unless they go back into classic film. And I feel like he is one of the one of the top actors and just movie stars from this time that everyone whether or not you know his name off the top of your head, you recognize him because he just has that, yeah, that star the quality. Look, that man look. Yeah. That Harrison Ford thing, mm-hmm. you know? Harrison Ford, Clooney. Yeah, it's... Uh, and another thing, too, is um, I feel like Hitchcock would have done great directing a James Bond film and Cary mm-hmm. Grant would have been a great James Bond, too. Yeah. Um, which is kind of shocking. Definitely, like he's just, he, Gary he Grant definitely seems perfect for that. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. Right, like any of just the star of any spy genre, you know? Yeah, like, really. Mich- Mission Impossible, he could have been in easily. Yeah, you know, I, thing... I don't know how I don't know how much I can realistically <laughs> see him doing the stunts the yeah, way Tom Cruise do does. Yeah. But like, I don't know. Say if you just take the first Mission Impossible and you remove all the dangerous stuff and just make it him running and like talking and conspiring with different characters, you know, the way he does in that movie. I could see Mm -hmm. Cary Grant doing that just as well as Tom Cruise almost. Oh yeah. It's hard to say because I like when I rank movie stars, like I always put Tom Cruise at the peak. And I think Mm -hmm. like for me, like Cary Grant is like right there after him, you know, like a close one a, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, for for me, I would definitely say Cary Grant would probably be my favorite actor from this era. Yeah. Um, just because I haven't seen uh, a film of his that I don't enjoy, really. Uh, and a lot of you know, a lot of the reason is because of him and how how likable and yeah. great he is and everything too. Um, obviously, there everyone has has their duds, but uh, but yeah, and, and he's definitely Tom Cruise is definitely a good comparison nowadays too just someone who's just a pure movie star mm-hmm. um also yeah, a great actor and just versatile yeah. does so many different genres yeah exactly yeah and tom cruise is yeah he's one of those guys where he's done so much even just uh <laughs> and it's kind of off topic i guess but you know everything from mission impossible and then to tropic thunder yeah where he's just completely wacky and mm-hmm. Um, so different but yet like it's one of his greatest things he's done probably yeah for sure yeah and uh and also like i said this is after watching this again it's uh it definitely snuck into my top five Um, nice did you put it over any like super iconic hitchcocks i don't think so uh (laughs) i think so i have it over the birds okay and which i i think the the big five let me pull up this list here. The big five Hitchcocks would probably be North by Northwest, Vertigo, Rear Window, Psycho, and The Birds. Um, at least in my opinion, I feel like those I, are the I ones would that also, are, I would say remember this the point most. That Notorious is an iconic Hitchcock, probably. Yes, like it is pretty damn good, and it's it's one of the best film noirs for sure. Like it's one of the best films of the '40s, I'd say. Like, it's why I wanted to watch it so badly is because I've heard a lot of, I don't remember, you know, but I've heard people just mention Notorious a lot. And it just has like that, you know, awesome, gritty name, Notorious. Notorious, yeah. <laughs> you know, other, mm-hmm. other than that, I didn't know that much about it, really. 
Yeah, and I didn't the see that's it's why I think it's for me. It's um it's not as iconic just in the sense of um you know, it's not remembered as well. Or it's not one of those where like, oh yeah, like I hadn't seen Apocalypse Now before a week ago, but I still knew, you know, a lot about it and Exactly. Um just based on pop culture and everything. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's definitely one of his most highly regarded for me it's right behind um, North by Northwest, Vertigo, Rear Window, and Psycho. Um, which it's it's hard to break that top four for me. But yeah, it yeah, is. Taurus is right. Those are all those. like some of the best movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and you said this was your this is your favorite of the three. Yes. that we've done in the series. So it goes like probably this one then. I'm I'm uh, I'm like torn between the other two, uh-huh. which one I like more: the Thirty Nine Steps or Strangers on a Train? Because I feel like Strangers on a Train is is probably a better movie. But when I was mm-hmm. watching the Thirty Nine Steps, I got all like, I got all film history thinking. Oh yeah, and I started to be like, <laughs> wow, look at how much this has done for cinema, <laughs> you know? And uh-huh. yeah, so I was fulfilled because of that which I liked, mm-hmm. but strangers yeah. on a train is, yeah, it's a definite classic, very entertaining. Yeah. Reminded me a lot of, uh, the cable guy. So got that's that. right. We talked about that yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, a, I'm happy with my current Hitchcock exploits. I needed to see more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And this is definitely, this is definitely a, uh, a must watch if you're interested in Hitchcock at all. Yeah, no, I, um, I knew I needed to do it eventually. I wanted to do them for, you know, something off the channel. It wasn't, you know, the Criterion channel. It wasn't. But nevertheless, I was like, ah, oh, it's the last one. I got to watch this one. I, I need mm-hmm. to see it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I'll, I'll definitely be watching more Hitchcocks that aren't Vertigo, Psycho, North by Northwest mm-hmm. and <laughs> <Yeah>. Rear Window. <laughs> yeah. Because there's a lot uh, to see. Yeah, and that's I know we talked about how the other two were your least favorite Hitchcock movies, but in a way, it's not it's not a bad it's, thing. It's because... hard when you've seen like all of the best ones, you know. It's like yeah, it's like saying what are your favorite Seth Rogen movies that he's made mm-hmm. after like Superbad and Pineapple Express, and this is the end. Afterwards, they all become like much more like less indie and more like these studio big budget ones. And they're just not the same, you know, they're not the the same after that. Not like Mm -hmm. this is any, this is actually not, that's not the best comparison for this actually. Never mind. (laughs) It's it's totally (laughs) different, but you get, I guess you kind of, you get what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. They're like the best of, they're the best of what he's done easily. They're what we'll Mm -hmm. always remember. And yeah, I do think it's cool to go back and, see these like earlier because then you can see what leads up to you definitely like they're not there's not like a dip in quality in any of these movies these are like still Mm -hmm. everything he made 30 years before that is like some of the best of classic hollywood for sure still so Mm -hmm. and he hadn't even he didn't even make vertigo yet (laughs) yeah he didn't even make the best movie of all time yet with like Mm -hmm. which it's ranked like everywhere um right vertigo is like one of the best the best movie of all time yeah. i've seen it on so many lists like not the imdb 250 like i'm talking like real film lists you know you see the imdb 250 also has like 
um, the Dark Knight in the top ten. Yeah, and, too, it, and which, it has Avengers Endgame currently in the yeah. top ten. I saw it today when I was looking for recasting. I was like, wow, really? Like Avengers yeah. Endgame and Avengers Infinity War are both in the top 100 best movies of all time? Like, yeah, okay. I, I think the IMDb 250 is good for pop culture significance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. But yeah, there's. I think like AFI has a list. I think that Vertigo is on the top of, and yeah, other uh, other more more I guess I would say film sites or publications would have Vertigo as yeah the greatest movie of all time or at least top five. Um, but yeah, and and too, I mean, Notorious is um, probably leading up to you know, all the, the Hitchcock movies in the fifties and sixties. Yeah. There was guess, one probably the f- when she finds out that she's been being like, you know, the Nazis have poisoned her and are like taking her mm-hmm. over and stuff like that is a really scary scene when they do her POV yeah. and the camera gets all shaky and blurry. Mm-hmm. And that was like, where, I was like, Whoa, Hitchcock's horror stuff comes out yeah. right here. You know, you get like a real glimpse of it. It was pretty. Yeah. yeah. And that was, that was a pretty horrifying scene. And just in the end too, I, I love the ending so much when yeah um, they're just going down the steps as he carries her out. Yeah, yeah, that's a classic, and that's a like classic Hitchcock mm-hmm. tension there, definitely. Um, and then you know that Claude Rains just has like a fateful ending. I love how, you know all you see is the door shut, yep. but you know oh, it's exactly so... what mm-hmm. what he's about to get. Yeah, it's kind of it's left up in the air in a way, but really you know what's uh, what's coming for. Yeah, him. also a little history lesson. Oh. Uh, that this movie has obviously has Nazis in it, mm-hmm. and it was made in 1946. So and so it was kind of made during like, like the a, a boom of cinema where like the movies started started doing well again because of the war, and yeah. a lot of the movies such as like we've mentioned before, Ca- Casablanca had to do with like mil. They were based around military conflicts such as this mm-hmm. one. And then yeah. they would like throw something into it, like a romance or, you know, a noir or a noir like plot, you know, a mystery. And yeah, this and this is one of another one that's doing that and doing it very well, I will say. Yeah, I can't believe it came out a year after the war ended. And <laughs> and it's about I mean, this is something interesting, like history wise, too, is that they already kind of knew that yeah, all these former Nazis, or I guess you still call them Nazis, went to South America to hide out. Because um, there are still Germans in Brazil, a lot of Germans in Brazil today that um, were basically there because uh, they needed to escape Europe and uh, sort of lay low in Brazil. So I can't, I just can't believe a year after the war is over, they already have a movie um, sort of regarding that. Uh, yeah. yeah. So interesting history lessons to be learned too and uh let's see luke did you uh did you recast i did notorious i did recast notorious all right well it looks like we have a recasting session then (laughs) 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 all right here we go then let's uh uh let's start out with uh with claude well uh, who did you do i i recasted claude rains Cary Grant and Ingrid Bergman. I did not Those do three. Claude Rains. Okay, then yeah, you let's go with. I'll I'll see who I picked for Claude Rains. Um, yeah. After we we do Cary Grant and Ingrid Bergman, 
But who do you have for uh, for Cary Grant? I have Leo DiCaprio. Oh, the wonderful, a very solid pick, the, the beautiful Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio. <laughs> yeah, um, one yeah. of the biggest movie stars of this generation, as well as uh, mm-hmm. someone who is a very well respected actor. I see he's like Cary Grant to me in that way, and. I've also, you know, I, I, I got really pumped off of that Once Upon a Time in America trailer because it looks like yes. Leonardo DiCaprio is going to have a great performance in that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, looks like he's going all out. So For sure. And I wanted to, since the star power for the time in, in Notorious is so huge, I wanted to do just like something, you know, put some insane, not down to earth at all, movie stars into this one and so i immediately went out right off the bat with leonardo dicaprio and i then so then after that it was about picking my ingrid bergman someone you know big and good enough to put you know put with leo so yeah leo dicaprio nice i like it as devlin so mine is uh, a little weird. I don't, it's not weird, but uh, anyway, I, I had a little bit of fun with mine because for some reason, this who I picked for Claude Rains character, it just popped into my head, and I thought this would be a really fun idea. It would definitely be a way less serious, um, probably not as good, notorious um, if it were made today. But I think you'll find out why I did this when I tell you who I picked for Claude Rains. But anyway. For Cary Grant's character, I went with John Krasinski. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing yeah. I'm just picture, picturing him in like in uh what's the movie in the office that they make? Oh, uh, De- threat, threat level, level midnight. midnight. Yeah, I'm just seeing him yeah. as Goldface and Goldface <laughs> in the in the notorious remake. Yeah, yeah, I went that's, with that. that's a very interesting one. I think you'll see why I went with that when you when I all uh, right when I when I complete mine. But so I I mean I, I love John Krasinski because yeah. I love The Office. Obviously, I don't think he's he's definitely not the type of actor like DiCaprio who would make this a really great movie like Cary Grant did. But uh, but it it would be enjoyable with this ensemble that I'm putting together. He'd be so, yeah. uh, he'd be likable. Yeah, likable, hey, na- likable Nazi. He'd occasionally look at to the look into the camera too. You know, oh something, yeah, something awkward would happen. He'd just look at the camera like Jim. Like, so yeah. <laughs> it's kind of intense here in this noir. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then who do you uh, go with for Ingrid Bergman? What about you for uh, Cary Grant, though? Oh yeah, that's who I picked for Cary Grant. How Did do you I say, say for Claude, Claude Rains? No, no, no. John Krasinski is Cary Grant. Oh, all right. Okay. Understand. I'll, I'll save Claude Rains for the end. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Sorry. okay. I thought I that was Claude misspoke. Rains. That's my Cary Grant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cool. All right. Yeah. I get that more now. It makes a lot more sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why I said uh, Goldface because he'd be the villain. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. But also a good, uh, good reference there. I think he... He could definitely play Goldface again in another movie. <laughs> All right. So for Ingrid Bergman, I picked Jennifer Lawrence. 
Oh, J Law, yeah, J Law coming huge, back. Huge, huge actress. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> super popular. Always being nominated for stuff. Everyone mm-hmm. loves her. She's great in basically everything. Um, yeah. and she was just in a spy movie this last year. Um, Red Sparrow. Ma- yeah, who made that? Who made that movie again? Um, I don't know. Well, either way. Good question. She was the the female protagonist in Red Sparrow, and it looked pretty sweet. I'd like to see her do more of that in Notorious, alongside yeah, I like Leo it. DiCaprio. Francis Lawrence I, directed that. Okay, I think same th- director as The Hunger Games. All right, wow, it sounds different. <laughs> sounds very different. A different turn for him, yeah. But yeah, I could see like leo and jennifer lawrence having like balls to the walls performances in this and really taking it to a a whole nother level you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) i see that too i like it (laughs) all right uh my pick for ingrid bergman was emily blunt oh wow all right see what mrs krasinski i see what's going on here yeah it's a quiet uh, place meets notorious (laughs) Yeah, so what I want to do instead of so in my remake, I want to get rid of the Nazis and instead use the monsters from a quiet place. Um, not yeah. actually, I'm just kidding. But uh, but yeah, I went with Emily Blunt. Um, I thought about going with Jenna Fisher for uh, for Pam Beasley, but uh, I just felt Emily Blunt would be better fit for this role, and also she would have good chemistry with uh, with John Krasinski. Yeah, as much as so, we all love Pam, we know Emily Blunt is much better. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Sorry Pam. Pam. Yes. Pam. 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 <laughs> Damn. Now we're being mean to Pam. Yeah. No. I love. I love Pam though. But uh, <laughs> she didn't make the cut this time. Yeah. It's a cutthroat business. You know? Sorry, Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. That's showbiz. <laughs> That's showbiz for you, Pam. But I'll say the reason I went with. John Krasinski in the first place is because I felt like if this was more of a comedy in a way, Claude Rain's character in the end reminded me a little bit of Michael Scott. So I oh recast Claude Rains as Steve Carell. Oh my god. Yes. Which is why I ended up picking John Krasinski and then wow. Blunt. Because I felt like it was something that would happen to Michael that he's like um you know, he 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 fucks up and then he's trying to get you know, Jim to, uh, to sort of, you know, help him out, get him out of this situation that he fucked himself up in. And, and at the end, Claude Rains is like, uh, uh, yes, you have to take me with you. You have to take me with you. Like we have to go to the hospital. Cause he knows that his Nazi buddies are not happy with him. And I feel like that's the same awkward situation that Michael Scott would be in. Man. Um, I love, I love that so much. <laughs> yeah, I love so that I dynamic. Know. Yeah, I, I think well, watching the end, it just Steve Carell just pop, like just going back into the room, popped in like, my head, and then you to make yeah, you can have a comedic turn with it. And Steve Carell be like, guys, guys, <laughs> Jim, can you take me? Jim, Jim, are are you taking me home? <laughs> so well, I'll drive. We'll go together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, and uh, yeah, I could totally see then Jim and sorry, not Pam, but Emily Blunt just. uh taking off without him and leaving him leaving him to the dogs but emily blunt would also be called pam in this one (laughs) yeah her her character would be named pam just (laughs) for obvious reasons (laughs) so yeah that's uh that's 
that's my recasting. Ah, good stuff on the podcast today. Oh yeah, we got <laughs> some two good, good modern day notorious. How great! How great is this? Yes. Well, and uh, and all this excitement for recasting notorious. It's about time we took another break and then went into Seven Samurai. Yes. All right, we are back. And it's time to conclude our Hitchcock Kurosawa series with uh, The Seven Samurai, which uh, is another one that I've been wanting to see for a while, and I finally have seen it. It's on the IMDb 250. It's on the 250 it's list. A, so it's, it's on the top, in the top 20, right next yeah, top. to The Dark Knight Rises and <laughs> Avengers and Avengers Age of Ultron. <laughs> Yeah, I would have to say it's just on my top 100 list. It's just behind Infinity War. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Seven Samurai. Luke, I'm not sure where this ranks for you in um, in Kurosawa movies, but uh, I'd say it's it's probably my favorite of the three that we've seen. Um, like Notorious favorite of the three Hitchcock ones that we've done for this series. And I, I totally see why it is the highly regarded iconic film that it is um a three and a half hour samurai <laughs> epic yes yeah three and a half hour runtime was really that was the main reason i have waited so long to see it um but uh but it's obviously it's worth all that and um part of the uh part of the reason i loved it so much too is because i have seen the magnificent seven which is essentially the Western version of it. Yes. And I, I, it was so easy to relate the two. Yes. Um, and I, I didn't, I thought originally Magnificent Seven was just sort of, the sort of idea was just borrowed for it. But really, I mean, it's nearly the exact the same plot, things happen. The plot, the character, the structure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I haven't seen the Magnificent Seven that you're talking about, but I've seen mm-hmm. the most recent one with Denzel Washington, oh, yes. Brad Pitt, and Vince D'Onofrio. It's very much not, it's not very good. But they tried. Yeah, I they, haven't heard good things they, about that. They tried. They tried, though. <laughs> it's not yeah, that's... horrible. Mm-hmm. And that, I would say that, Magnificent Seven from 1960, I think. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite westerns. It's just a good old fashioned, uh, good time, I guess. You know, it's not a, it's not a super serious western. It's also not as uh, crazy as the spaghetti westerns like Sergio Leone, but it's uh, a good classic American western with a great soundtrack and everything. And watching this, I, I definitely felt that too. Watching when uh, the Seven Samurai reminded me of, um, you know, a western, like a really fun western, um, with these, um, you know, all these this likable ensemble cast. Or even it also reminded me of um, Star Wars in a way too, which obviously (laughs) we've talked about the influence. Yeah, I was going to bring up Star Wars again, like uh, Mm -hmm. at the end when spoilers, they save everyone. Mm-hmm. there's music and dancing yeah. and i was watching the prequel uh run on tnt this weekend and oh, so nice. it was uh yeah really reminded me of that stuff yeah the uh the ending reminded me of uh, return of the jedi with uh all yeah the Ewoks abs- and the absolutely and that the uh, i mean the villagers do take part in um you know attacking the bandits and everything too much like the ewoks yes <laughs> 
So uh, yeah, there's a a lot of uh, a lot of I guess occurrences and sequences in this just reminded me of um, sort of I don't know if you would call it like the golden age of Hollywood or whatever. I don't know, just sort of these fun adventure movies, um, but it also was very serious too. And there's um, I thought a lot on the line, which yeah, I mean, you see most of the samurai do end up dying. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoiler alert! But um, uh, and much like in that Magnificent Seven too. A lot of uh, most of the, you know, seven don't end up making it. And uh, so, yeah, I thought it had yeah. a good balance between Just, uh, that. It was definitely a very serious, gritty action movie while also um, having a good amount of comic relief to to sort of appeal to anyone. Yeah, yeah. There's a that Kurosawa wit uh, mm-hmm. to Shiro Milfoon is definitely like the comic relief and also like the hothead like trying mm-hmm. to prove himself which is a yeah a, de- a different a definitely a different uh character for him like while he's yeah. always like the big kind of like yelling scary guy he's always like his role is usually it i mean of course in all the ones we've covered it's been pretty different i would say um mm-hmm. like hidden fortress he's kind of like you know he's the he's the o- obi-wan kenobi and uh yeah in this one he's like he's like han solo or something and then, yeah, yeah he's a bit more of a loose cannon and yeah. throne of blood he's uh anakin skywalker you know yeah yeah but you really can't i mean it's not even uh not even like a, a joke how you can see all the star wars the star wars related characters in these movies watching them. like it's very obvious and i wasn't sure how obvious it would be going into it um but yeah, it's it's so easy to think of think of Star Wars, and yeah, totally Anakin for Throne of Blood too. I didn't even think about that. Um, but uh, but also just a, I thought it probably had a big influence on um, other action movies set in like medieval times in a way. It reminded mm-hmm. me of Lord of the Rings too, just with uh, the action scenes and the sword fighting and bow all the bow and arrows and everything. Um, yeah, I felt like it reminded me of Lord of the Rings and some other medieval times movies like that. And I also really just enjoyed how all the action sequences were shot too. Yeah. There's and, like um, nothing, uh, there's like nothing like them, you know, that style and how there's so mm-hmm. much chaos on screen and how they run, they run together like a, you know, how you see hordes in a Kung Fu movie run mm-hmm. with spears. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The editing was really great for. Mm-hmm. I mean, this time I couldn't imagine trying to shoot like a big action scene like this. You know, for Game of Thrones, like it was probably tough, even though there's a lot of CGI. But uh, I mean, just thinking about how tough it is to film something like that, or in Lord of the Rings, um, but in you know the 1950s with uh, just technology and lighting that they would have, just to edit everything together, shoot everything to make it work and make sense and yeah i just thought that was um pretty incredible um i also love all these or all these low shots too where the camera's low to the ground and you know just the horses are running by Mm -hmm. and you know someone's either shot with an arrow and they fall um and um there's also you know scene where toshiro uh, milfoon's character is you know he's knocked to the ground and these horses are running by and yeah, and the camera is just like right at the ground, like ground level, 
showing all this happen. I thought that was really cool too. Um, yeah, yeah. I just thought it was definitely, uh, you don't see a lot of movies from the fifties that have these insane battles that, uh, that they pulled off in seven samurai. Yeah. Um, also, uh, uh, the main samurai, he's a, he's a, he's not only great in it, I would say, but he's also in Mm -hmm. another Kurosawa movie. If you ever want to branch out, uh, more into more Kurosawa, it's actually not a samurai film. It Mm -hmm. takes place in a sit in a modern city and it's called Ikiru. It's a, it's, it's like one of my favorite Kurosawa movies. I didn't suggest it because I wanted to kind of like stay within the samurai genre. And, you know, it's like a nice Mm -hmm. way to focus in and start with uh, Akira Kurosawa. But um, definitely Akira is like one of my favorite films of his for sure. Like probably my Mm -hmm. second favorite one. And um, yeah, it stars. It's it's like it's stars the star seven samurai who's like the most noble, the most noble samurai who says like, the final words you know that the victory is for the peasants and not for them and yeah you know Mm -hmm. and then it shows the final shot of the graves you know Mm -hmm. yeah he was awesome i love that that final shot so much Uh, yeah so good it really just caps it off for you and just tells you what Mm -hmm. everything what it's all about yeah i've looked into akiru a lot too because i um i definitely want to see you know what kurosawa has done besides samurai movies now and i've read a lot of people say talk about how um like profound ikiru is and emotional yeah and it's, it's much so more about sad. life and it's so sad death. yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. and i even i watched um you know the criterion channel uh, they have bill Hader and um all these people talking about it's like adventures in movie going or whatever and he talks about ikiru and yeah just listening to him talk about that too it makes me want to see that um yeah, of course. Like, I'm so glad I started with these samurai movies too, because I, I mean, that's obviously a huge reason why he's, well, why Kurosawa is so well known is just from all these iconic samurai movies, um, and uh, they're definitely, yeah, they're they're definitely ones that I, um, that I would say I am long overdue with seeing, um, and another thing too with just. Uh, you know, that final shot where you see the graves and everything is there's a lot of cool night scenes in this you mm. know, nighttime. But like the lighting yeah, is yeah, really yeah. cool. Yeah. And, Didn't think um, about that as much. Yeah. That just really stuck out to me. Cause um, I think a lot of times, especially when it's a black and white movie, uh, it can be hard to really, I don't know. Cinematography can still obviously look amazing in black and white, but um i think the lighting can really do a lot and yeah I feel like creating shadows and stuff mm-hmm. yeah and i felt like it was just really cool and interesting and um that just added a lot for me too yeah i think this one is like one where it's so easily could you could see how it's transferred to a a western mm-hmm. like within like not only the plot and like how the characters interact with each other and are always trying to prove themselves to each other, but also, and, and, not, and also how it's like focused on a town of people being mm-hmm. oppressed and yep. the way it's shot, there's just so many wides of groups of people and just 
horses and stuff like that. I, yeah, I just yeah. think this one's definitely the most resonant Kurosawa where you can just see how it could be a Western so easily or oh yeah, it was influenced from a Western. Like it's interchangeable to me. Totally. Yeah. It's that's why, yeah, I totally felt like a Western watching it too. Um, and there's even, uh, you know, there's even guns in it, muskets yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, like, and, yeah, playing with new technology, which is something a Western would do. Right, yeah. Adjusting to new new technology. Yeah, and then all the, the horses, too. That, like, that uh, was a big part of it, too, is just a lot of, there's a lot of horses. riding on horses into <laughs> battle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just horses in general, yeah. Um, but, yeah, and this uh, another thing I looked up about it that reminded me of, of Apocalypse Now is just the conditions that... Oh, it reminded they, you of uh, Apocalypse Now. Just because of um, when I was looking more into it, they would talk about how strenuous uh, the filming of it was, and that um, you know a lot of the characters would, you know, like Toshiro Mufun would stay in character the whole time. Wow! Um, Probably be a jerk to a bunch of people or something. Or yeah, act crazy. Apparently, he he pulled a gun out on Akira Kurosawa at one point. Wow! And yeah, so I I didn't delve too much into it about what really made it. Um, very stressful and everything um, other than it, it took longer than expected and was way over budget kind of like apocalypse now and mm-hmm. um, I just like I mentioned with apocalypse now is that I feel like when you look in the backstories of a lot of these epic iconic films like this you see there's so much that went wrong behind the scenes and then it turns out to be um, just like a legendary film uh, you know, decades later. Yeah. And yeah, I just find that crazy that it's, you know, none of these really just went perfectly and um, shooting wasn't just this smooth sailing process. There's always um, something crazy that happens and a lot of tension, but, uh, but yeah, decades yeah, your, later, everyone's still talking about it. Your favorite movie Star Wars has like all the most yeah. insane stories about it ever. Yeah. I've seen the documentaries about the making of Star Wars and it's like, seemed like a disaster yeah like they would they were not gonna make any money off of yeah, it. yeah all the actors fail. were just like what are we even doing this is stupid. this is ridiculous yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's you know harrison ford is talking to this guy in this fur costume who's just making random like growl noises like how do you expect this to actually make money and then and then yeah it's, it's now star wars is like a trillion dollar franchise so uh, so yeah, I just thought that was interesting too, that a lot of these epic legendary movies, um, have all this interesting behind the scenes drama that's, uh, that's, uh, yeah, I guess it just adds to the lore of the Hollywood lore, mm-hmm. I guess I would say. Um, but yeah, overall really love Seven yeah, Samurai. You, you watched the long, one of the longest ones, uh, an epic, yes. it had an intermission on the Criterion channel. <laughs> yeah. Did, yeah, I know. Yeah. Did you that sit through it? I just sat through it. Yeah, I did. I was yeah. like, I'm just going to take a break and just sit here and listen to the music and mm-hmm. stare. Yeah, just stare at the screen that says intermission. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did take that time to look up some like random facts about it, but, uh, but yeah, I just kind of sat through there. Yeah. Um, um yeah, it's like Lawrence of Arabia or something like that, where it's just so long, but it's one of the most icon known as one of the most iconic best movies ever made by many yeah. people. So I'm glad I finally saw it because yeah. 
I know I've mentioned this on the podcast before. When I see a movie is, you know, over two and a half hours, three hours, whatever, it's already like, oh man, I'm going to really have to like settle down and make sure I'm ready for, you know, for that much time, that much movie, just because my attention span is so yeah, terrible. Absolutely. Um, and this being three and a half hours, it's like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I will, I'm so will, glad I got through it. I will say it's why I I do like there are uh, like four hit, uh, Kurosawa movies I like more than this one, and it's wow. a lot of it's due to the length of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like I like Ron, I like Akiru, I like Throw Throne of Blood, and like Rashomon more. Not only just cause, well, Ron I don't even think is short. It's definitely shorter. It's like three hours, but it's shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, because this is three and a half hours. Um, yeah. But yeah, like all the other ones, they're easier to get through. And like Rashomon's like this kind of awesome art house film. Uh, Throne of Blood has that like distinct look. Um, so I definitely like Seven Samurai more than like, say, like Hidden Fortress. But it's mm-hmm. for, yeah, like re- rewatchability. Like I've now seen this film twice and I don't see myself wanting to rewatch it again anytime soon. While yeah. it, it is like once you get to the once you reach the conclusion, it is so worth it. Um, yeah. Nevertheless, and it is so good. Uh, like three and a half hours, man. <laughs> there are definitely. I'll be honest. There are definitely times in the the first part of it before the intermission that I was kind of hoping that it picks up the pace a little yeah. bit more and, and, yeah, and, and then it sort of connect things a little better. Cause I was still a little right? confused in some parts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a, so much happening and you're just kind of so like, much. you're just wondering like, this can't all be that important. Right. Like, yeah. But then, yeah, it's the, really the last 45 minutes, I think really. Oh, it hits home for sure. Yeah. That's when really it made up for, for the length and everything. But um, yes, now it just makes me want to watch his other movies too that you mentioned. And I, I've seen the first half of Rashomon, mm. um, and I did the horrible thing of watching it when I was really tired and fell asleep. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, that was recently that I started that one, and I like that that's like a good ninety minutes. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to to see that one because I've obviously heard a ton of the good stuff about that. And then uh, I know you've also talked to me about Akiru and Ron too. So. Yeah, it's it's definitely I've been bit by the the Kurosawa bug now. The Kurosawa journey is not over. No, it's it only has just begun. <laughs> yes, and that's why I wanted to do the Seven Samurai for our series too, because I feel like that is it's like one of the more iconic ones. Yeah, you got to do it. Yeah, it's like what he's most, most known for. Most whether well or not known. it's yeah, it may not be the most rewatchable one at the end of the day, but it's just yeah, it's just one of those epics that um, that everybody knows about. And uh, it's it's culturally significant for sure. So, um, so yeah. And uh, we didn't recast Seven Samurai because one, it's been remade uh, twice a few times. Yeah. Yes. And uh, I could say that. Uh, yeah, we could just say that we wanted to recast it with Denzel Washington and Vincent D'Onofrio and Chris Pratt, but um, that would be boring. But. And we did think since it'd be play, it'd be uh, copyright, or we'd get in trouble probably. Yeah, yeah, we'd we get in big trouble with that from so. some producers, you know. So who listen we to our podcast. Think about, 
yeah uh, we know we know you're listening producer so don't worry we're not gonna we're not gonna do that we know you're but, listening uh, producers <laughs> mr producer uh <laughs> but yeah we we thought we'd maybe just throw out some names that would make uh make an awful not necessarily awful but i guess just kind of bonkers version of Se- seven samurai since seven samurai is so highly regarded and magnificent seven was you know a serious adaptate western adaptation of it so um so yeah we we thought we'd we'd throw a wrench in this one and talk about some not so good recasting uh recasting possibilities so do you have any off the top of your head to, to start us so off? so i'm gonna go with a, an actor we have talked about in this podcast um oh. from a previous mini series i'm gonna go with uh gene kelly as the star and the head samurai and it will turn seven samurai into a musical and (laughs) he will dance and sing for every order he gives and every time he talks about being a noble samurai he will sing and like when he talks about how it's a victory when he and when the peasants are singing and there's a victory he's at the star of it so there's no you know like he's singing and he's like dancing in the middle and spinning around and like there's no humility for like any of it so it would like ruin mm. everything that the yes. samurai stand for because he'd be like cheesing into the camera and he's also <laughs> would be the skinniest weirdest looking samurai ever because he's a not an intimidating he's a samurai skinny like cheeky white guy from mm-hmm. America, super American with a, but with a great singing voice. Yes. Oh, wow. I and he's love probably it. horrible with a, him pulling a sword out probably just would look like, like a goofy, Ridiculous. a goofy musical sword. Yeah. And it wouldn't have that. Kurosawa would hate working with him probably as well. Oh yeah. So Definitely. yeah. I'm rec- Yeah. Him for, uh, <laughs> um, which character? What is the main guy's name? Uh, God, yeah, I can't even remember. Um, um, for for uh, Kambai, Kambai, uh, Takashi yes, yes. Shimura. Yes, yeah. Kambai. Yeah, he would be great. I love him as the leader. That the leader. Uh, that reminds me. Then I think uh, what would be great to compliment that is. Um, I know we're recasting this. Well, we're not even recasting this for modern day because Gene Kelly obviously isn't no. with us, but. This is I love the I love where we're going though because I'm gonna go with Back to the Future Michael J. Fox as Marty McFly as one of the Seven Samurai and along with Gene Kelly's dance numbers we have Marty McFly come in and play guitar and play some <laughs> he plays Johnny this, Be Good play some Chuck Berry Johnny Be Good um, wow I mean this was made in the fifties yeah so it's a it's a cir- it's a circus. And I was thinking, I was, with the vest and all. I was also thinking for Toshiro Milfoon's character, it'd be really cool if we had Joe Pecci as Toshiro Milfoon, yes. and he'll he will like he'll like yell at them every time. Mm-hmm. Like Gene Kelly, he's like, "Why the fuck are you singing?" And like, <laughs> yeah, he like push. Yeah, just so many F bombs. And he, he'd yes. push Michael. He'd push Michael J. Fox around, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sort of the the Goodfellas, Joe Pesci um would be it would be great and they'd this. all be dressed as samurai and michael j fox yeah. would be like nah, 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 nah. <laughs> riding <laughs> around on roller skates as a samurai yeah yeah exactly 
I'm trying to think of of different eras of film and throwing them into this ensemble. So I was thinking like, uh, you know, maybe adding a good old fashioned 90s comic like Sinbad in there would be great. Yeah. Uh, Some diverse. Sinbad or even thought of, you know, the Wayans brothers. Man. Too. Yeah, that would we, we need some more comic relief in this. It's a little too a uh, little too serious little if too, you ask me. So. It's a little too goofy already. I feel yeah. like, <laughs> but whatever. It's a circus. That's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. The and seventh. then to just to throw this whole like charade off, we can you know add Daniel Day Lewis in there. Oh Joaquin my Phoenix. god! Yeah. Oh my god! And they need all the attention, and they're not even the mm. main guys. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But uh, yeah, Daniel Day Lewis Lewis is gonna go full on method actor for uh-huh. uh for his for side role. Yeah, he'll just be there mm-hmm. like breathing like and just yeah. scaring everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well so my... I don't even know if I don't even know if that's seven or not, but we've we've got a good ensemble. If we need right another, now. we can get Willem Dafoe in there because he's great. Oh Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Yeah. This is like it... the craziest movie like ever mm-hmm. right now. Well then, who do you think should direct, uh, you know, this new iconic movie? Um, wow. I'm almost thinking. I almost have a name in my head, but I I don't want to say him if I think of someone even better. But <laughs> I think like Quentin Tarantino should direct it. Honestly, Tarantino. That I would think be it has great, to yeah. be like if you're having a a this much hoopla on a movie with this many egos, you need the biggest egotistical director of all time who knows how to work, who knows the samurai genre knows to how to take on this crazy of a cast. And it would probably make him go insane. I would love to see that. Mm -hmm. I would love to see him humbled because I don't think any direct director would be able to take this on. Oh, no way. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. Truly. I would would love to see that. The amount of tone shifts is just, would give anyone a headache yeah oh for sure uh, yeah and yeah and uh i i think so the what popped into my head originally was michael bay but that would almost be so over the top that that it wouldn't work as well you know i do like i do like the tarantino pick um <laughs> and i could see this i could see this as a, as a tarantino movie for sure yeah I, I, yeah, I don't know who else would uh, would be able to to handle this sort of legendary movie that we're creating now. But uh, yeah, we'll get we'll Tarantino on so- the phone. We'll think of something and uh, we'll make some calls. Yeah, we'll make some calls. We'll get Tarantino down here and we'll start working on the script. Um, yeah, and then uh, just working on resurrecting Gene Kelly and Gene Kelly from the grave. Yeah, and... do, using uh, yeah. the Jurassic Park method of using frogs yeah. that will re- <laughs> re-resurrect Gene Kelly. Yeah, there we go. Uh, speaking of Jurassic Park, Jeff Goldblum would be, would oh, be a good man. addition yeah, how to did we, cast, How too. did we forget about Jeff Goldblum? Mm-hmm. Yep. In this setting, but his character from Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He'd have a lot of theories <laughs> about everything. Yeah. Well, uh, well, let us know if you guys have any other wacky ideas Please, to go on this, yeah. uh, this ensemble uh, There cast. are obviously no rules. <laughs> no rules, yeah. You make the own, your own rules. Uh, it's, yeah, just as off the wall as possible. Um, 
But yeah, Luke, this uh, I guess this concludes our Kurosawa Hitchcock series. Wow. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a long, a long journey. Yes. And yeah. And, uh, and at the end of the day, these are all essential movies from essential directors that uh, if you haven't checked out, you definitely should. And if you haven't checked out their other two episodes in our series, then go back and do that. And coming up, we'll be back with some, with probably some more series and then a few special episodes. And yeah, this summer we'll for sure have a, a top top five or ten soundtracks. Definitely. I'm looking episode. forward to that one. So yeah, now that we've concluded the series, we've got some more uh I guess different uh different themed episodes yeah, to we'll, go we'll, after. We'll so. confer about yeah. what we'll what we're gonna watch next. Because there's yes, obviously a tuned. lot. Yes. Yes, there's a lot a lot that we have uh, in the works that we're thinking about and we we've got cooking, so uh, so stay tuned. Maybe we'll even we'll even give a little teaser for what our next episode will be about. Uh, but yeah, until then, make sure you uh, keep going to the theaters. Subscribe to the Criterion channel. These are the usual plugs we always say. Uh-huh. And, uh, and yeah, then we'll uh, we'll see you next time. Drink wine out of a can. Yes, any day rosé. Yes, please. We need them to give us more money. <laughs> <laughs>